This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. God bless you. Please be seated. It is, it is great to see you this morning, especially those of you that are here for the very first time. I, I just want to add uh, my echo to what Barry said earlier. Thank you so much for choosing to hang out with us. We want you to know that in the life of C3, you matter. And for us, that's not just a phrase. It's not just a phrase on a t-shirt. By the way, those are awesome t-shirts. You should get one. But, but it's more than just a phrase. It literally is what we believe. We believe every single person you lock eyes with is deeply loved by God. And so you matter to us. Your future is our focus, and we are thrilled that you're here today. A couple of years ago, I went out and got in the car, and this was a car that one of my kids typically drove. I got in the car to go to Publix, not that long of a drive, very short drive, but I immediately noticed something felt different. Now, I'm not somebody that understands cars. I just know if your car breaks down, you're supposed to pull over and raise the hood and look at it and be like, huh, that's about as far as I can get. Like, I have no idea what to do with anything under there, but I I just knew it felt, something was different. Something was off, and I looked at the dashboard, and I didn't notice any glaring lights. There was no beeping. It just drove awkwardly. I went into Publix and got whatever I needed to get because for me, I don't know about you, but for me, going to the store, no matter what store, is a stealth operation. I am in and out before you knew I was there. I'm not a browser. I'm not a, hey, let's hang out and walk the aisles. No, that's, that's like the seventh level of hell for me. So I was in and out of the store, back in the car, driving home. Same thing. It just felt awkward. It felt like, what is wrong? I don't understand this. I pull in the driveway and I notice... My, my precious child had put on the emergency brake, and I just drove to Publix and back with the brake on, which I don't recommend, because I don't know a lot about cars. I just know that can't be good. I mean, it can't be a good thing. So I went in inside, and I, I start to have a conversation. I was like, hey, bro, um, which we have two daughters and two sons, so I just narrowed it down to the grouping in which this particular child is a part. And I said, um, the emergency brake? He's like, yeah, Dad, you're supposed to do that every time you stop. Like, listen, I know you're young and smart and snappy and all that, but back when I went to high school, they made us take a whole semester of driver's ed. In fact, every time I drive, I think, I don't know why they stopped that. They should still make people do that. I don't understand. The roundabout in Avalon, nobody knows how to do that. I'm about to put some signs up. Like, somebody needs help. But, but <laughs> I was like, look, I took a whole semester of driver's ed, and after that, because of a ticket that we won't discuss, I had to take some more classes. And so <laughs> I've had a, a lot of class time, and I'm pretty dead gum sure that on a flat surface, the emergency brake is not necessary. And he was like, no, you're supposed to do it. I'm thinking, boy. <laughs> so we had the conversation, but, but what I noticed is what I felt was a limitation of something I wasn't aware of. And very often in our lives, when things aren't going smoothly, we we feel that something's off and we're just not sure what it is. Often there's a limitation that we're just not aware of. There's something that is slowing down our process and slowing down our progress and, and keeping us from experiencing the ride of life that God says we're supposed to experience. Because remember, remember when Jesus was here on earth, 
He said, I've come not just to give you a home in heaven when this life is over, but I've come to give you a full life, life to the full, an abundant life. And so often I look around and I think, why aren't more of us experiencing that? Like we, we know Jesus, the Son of God. So I think if you know God in a personal way, if God has moved in, if the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life, there should be some distinctions. There should be some differences. Our our friendships should look differently. Our marriages should look differently. Our parents should be different. Parenting should be different. Our, Our careers, how we navigate stress, there should be a whole lot of differences. And yet so many of us as Christ followers, I've done it too, roll through seasons of our lives where we're riding with the emergency brake on. There's a limiting factor that's happening spiritually, and we don't even recognize it. We don't even know what it is. I wonder what attitudes or actions are limiting who you are and keeping you from who you could be. Because the one thing about limitations, often in life, limitations are put on you. Like the government makes laws, they're limiting factors. There are limitations to that. Sometimes how you're wired, how you're created is a limiting factor. Like if you're four foot two, you're probably not going to the NBA. It's pro- probably not, maybe, maybe, but probably not. There are limiting factors that we deal with in life. Some of you, you can't sing. You just can't sing. It's a limiting factor. It's, it's part of what you deal with. You think you can because mommy loves you and she heard you that one time and said, oh, you're so good. And, and nobody's ever told you, no, man, you sound like somebody slaughtering cattle. Maybe you can rap, but you can't sing. Don't even try. Listen, th- those are things we deal with. But I think the biggest limitations, I know at least in my life, the biggest limitations that I've had to face and try to overcome are the ones I put on myself. Sometimes, without even realizing I'm doing it. We come to Romans chapter 15 this morning. If you're new, we're rolling through the book of Romans verse by verse. And part of the reason we're doing this is Romans is is full of doctrine. What, What is doctrine? Doctrine is God's idea about things. Not his opinion. God doesn't have opinions. He has doctrine. He's always right. God's idea about life. And chapters 1 through 11, chapters 1 through 11 deal with who we are before God and what God has done for us and how God's made a way for us to know him and to live this life that's elevated a life above what it could be without him. That's chapters 1 through 11. 12 through 16 deal with how we deal with each other. And the reason Romans is so important is because in life, it's not only important to know what you believe, it's essential, especially when something goes wrong, especially when your heart is hurting, especially in those difficult seasons. It's not enough to know what you believe. You and I need to know why we believe it. And so in Romans, we come to chapter 15 this morning. I think we're in the the 27th week of our study And chapter 15 deals with relationships. It's one area that we may have some limitations that we're not aware of. The emergency breaks on and we don't even know it. And it's impacting our relationships. So here's the question. How do we do life together with all of our differences? I mean, we all have opinions about a million different things. Today, the NFL kicks off. I've seen a bunch of jerseys today. And listen, Based on the ones I've seen, if it's not a blue star, the rest of you, you need to be in church. I'm glad you're here. But, but the reality is, we all, those are fighting words. We all have opinions. We have differences. How do we, how do we practice unity in a climate of diversity? How do we do that? 
And what are the things that it's okay to disagree about? And then what are the things that we draw a line? And we say, no, 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 that, that crosses a line. That's not acceptable. We're not going to deal with that. And Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because the Word of God is fully the Word of God. He used human people to write it, but, but he wrote it through their personalities, but yet it is fully the Word of God, living and active, has the ability to change our lives. And so God knew what he was inspiring Paul to write to the church at Rome back then would equally apply to us. We have not outgrown or moved our intellect beyond what God said about life. And he says, hey, when it comes to relationships, especially in a spiritual family, a church, you're going to have to deal with some conflict. You're going to have to deal with some different opinions. For example, in a lot of churches, the debate is what version of the Bible or what translation is okay? The church I pastored before C3 uh, years ago, we sold the campus to another church. And in the church, when I pastored it, all the... um, all the seats had New International Version Bibles in them, so if somebody didn't have a Bible, uh, they could come in and grab one. They could take it home with them. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. But th- they, they came in, this other church, before we had moved out, it was the month of transition where we're in process of moving out. They're not in the building yet. They got all of our Bibles, and they put them in the dumpster because they weren't King James Version. This was a King James Version-only church. And I've always thought... I've always thought Okay, King James Version, 1622. Like Jesus did not speak thee and thou and shall and shalt. That, that's not like in the Bible. They didn't speak King James. Why did you decide, and, and I know the whole argument for it, but it's stuff that church people fight about. Man, this is the translation that's of God. This is what's right. Anybody does it differently, you're wrong. There are churches that fight about what songs are okay to sing. Man, I'm not gonna fight about what's okay to sing. I just want it to sound good. That's why I'm not up here. Other people are. <laughs> well, I just want it to sound good. I just want it to be good. But, but what songs do we sing? What, what's okay? How do we do worship? And then there are always those people that say, man, I just, I, I watched a YouTube video this week, and I, I listened to Bubba Jean, and he said we're doing it all wrong. You got to change things, Pastor. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, you, you listened to a 30-minute video, and now you're the expert on how we need to do worship. But we, we fight about stuff. Listen, in church life, we're ready to fight. The longer you've been in church, the more you understand. Some of the meanest people on planet Earth go to church every Sunday, including our enemy. And he's ready to stir stuff up and get us, get us to not focus on who Jesus is and, and how to have this, this beautiful unity that can happen even in diversity. He's trying to mix it all up where we get focused on other stuff. And part of the problem is it hits our relationships in a way because we begin to love our opinions more than we love people. We begin to hold on to what we think, not, not the lines that God has drawn, the lines that we've drawn. It's like national borders and state borders. Years ago, I used to travel. I traveled about 42 weeks a year. I'd be gone speaking in different churches and often went overseas, traveling internationally to Africa and India, India several times, Moldova, Germany, Holland, just, just travel. And when you travel to a different country, there's a whole process when you land in that country. The laws are different. The rules are different. You got to get your passport stamped. You got you to know at least the basics of what you're doing or have somebody with you in that particular country because of the laws. Unless you're in Amsterdam, everything's legal there. But, but everywhere else, you've got to be very careful how you function. But here's the thing about it. In the States, when I would travel, when you drive from Florida into Georgia, you don't have to stop and tell anybody. 
You don't have to show your driver's license to anybody. The, the national borders are, are like the lines that God has drawn. That when you cross that line, you're going into something that is different, something that is not part of what you believe. This is how some people dive into other religions. You, you cross a line, that's not what the Bible teaches. This is a whole different country now. But in the states, from state to state, from group to group, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Episcopal, uh, all the groups, if you grew up Episcopal, that was for you. All the groups, uh, it's state to state. The basics, we got down. It's the other little stuff that's the minor stuff that, that we, we might do well to stop fighting about and just realize, I'm in a different state right now. It's okay. It's okay because there's a whole lot that we agree with. Thank you, all four of you. The four of you, we're going to have a Bible study. Everybody else can just listen, but, but notice what happens. Now, what's interesting to me about this, as, as you think about who God is and what God does and how much he loves us, we, we move into Romans chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We who are strong ought to bear with the feelings or the failings of the weak. And immediately in this verse, you and I are put into two different categories. But we do not exist in one of these two categories 24-7. There's the strong and there's the weak. And the truth is, there's some areas in my life and some areas in your life where you're strong. There are other areas in your life and other areas in my life where we're weak. And one of the things I've discovered is it has nothing to do often with DNA and everything to do with seasons of life. Like there are things that I struggled with and I was pretty weak in my 20s that I'm good now. There are other things that you hit your 30s or 40s and all of a sudden you find out, man, I'm, I'm kind of weak in that area. There are seasons of life that, that we roll through and that we deal with they're strong and weak. Now, in this passage, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings. The failings. What does that mean? The failings of the weak. It means the areas where somebody got too close to the line and God gets to draw the line and he gets to decide what is sin and what is not sin. And if you're weak, one of the wisest things you can do is live your life in that area where you create some margin and you're back from the line. If I'm weak in an area, I don't want to live right on the line because then the temptation can be overwhelming just to dive in. Now, there are other people, maybe not weak in that area, they can walk along the line all day long. They're strong, that's not a temptation, it doesn't bother them. They can be friends with people of the opposite sex, of the opposite sex in the office, the opposite gender, that they can be friends with them and there's no emotional connection, there's no flirting, nothing inappropriate, they're good. Other people, that's a weakness for you, you, you need to provide some distance. There's some people that say, you know what? Don't give me a lot of money to manage, because if you do, man, I just can't handle a lot of money. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab it, I'm gonna take it, I might gamble, I might create an issue in my life, because more money for me, if I look back at the history of my life, means bad things. And so I need to step back, and somebody else can manage that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my thing, because that's an area of weakness for me. You, you need to be aware, where are you weak? And where are you strong? And then one of the things you and I need to do is understand every single person is strong in some areas and every single person is weak in some areas. And if there's an area where I need to, I need to live my life back from the edge and to create some margin and, and to provide some wisdom in my life so I'm not tempted in that way because I know it's an area of weakness, the last thing I need to do and you need to do when we live that way is assume that godly equals everybody living back here. Because that's not the case. This person may be strong and it's just not an issue for them. 
And so the point is we need to be aware of who we are, how we're created, and where the lines are that God has drawn. And let's not confuse the lines that we draw with the lines that God draws. God's lines are doctrine. Our lines are opinions. Weak people have to create margin so they live back from the line. And, and then there's the idea of Jesus. Was Jesus strong or weak? Uh, it's not a trick question. Like, you should know this. In fact, let me give you a hint. Anytime you're asked a question in church, the answer is Jesus. And he was strong. He was strong. So Jesus, listen, he has his freedom. And when he lived on earth, he drank wine. First miracle was turning water to wine. Some of y'all, that's your favorite. But, but he, he, he drank wine, but he didn't get drunk. He had the relationship, the friendship with Martha and Mary, but there was nothing inappropriate whatsoever. He, he could sit in houses of what Scripture called sinners and hang out with them and wasn't tempted to dive into anything they were doing that was displeasing to God. That, that's who Jesus is. And yet, I think about this verse. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So Jesus who has full freedom and is strong and has no weaknesses, said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love you enough that I'm going to come back to where you are. And although I can, I can live on the edge and do any of that, and it doesn't bother me at all, I'm going to come to where you are and I'm going to love you because I'm going to prioritize the friendship over my freedom. The text is saying that strong people should accommodate weak people. It doesn't say that strong people should bash weak people. It doesn't say that strong people should cancel weak people. It doesn't say that strong people should ignore weak people. It says strong people should accommodate the weak because the truth is we're all weak in some area. Have you ever had the courage to be honest with yourself about your weaknesses? Like, listen, you, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to honestly ask and answer, where am I weak? Where do I struggle? What, what is the pattern of my life? Are there areas of my life where I'm prone to, if I get too close to the edge, I'm going to dive in? What, what are those areas for me? And they're going to be different for each person. And some of us will share in some weaknesses and share in some strengths, but, but there are going to be a lot of differences. Where are we weak and where are we strong? And what we tend to do is in the areas where we're weak, we tend to have a pattern that we can see where we got too close to the edge and we messed up. So if it's an area that I'm weak, I need to create some margin. It's not about what's right and wrong, it's about what's wise. See, if you think in terms of right and wrong, you're gonna constantly live your life right on the edge of the line, a line that God drew, and think, well, I'm okay because I'm on the right side. I'm not wrong. But if it's an area of weakness, you're gonna dive into wrong. So you step back, you create some margin, and you live... You, you live removing as much of that temptation or as much of the ability to dive into that weakness as possible. But we can overreact in the sense that one of the areas this affects us the most and limits our relationships is often with our kids. Parents, this is a challenging one. Because when it comes to our kids, the last thing any of us want is for our kids to experience the pain that we've experienced. So maybe you think about when you were in high school and the areas where you were weak and how close you lived to the edge and some of the times you tripped up and fell over the edge and you blew up your life and you don't want your kids to do that. So if we're not careful, 
we can have our kids back here and we can draw lines that God didn't draw. And, and, and some of you, some of you, you heard a Bible study teacher or a pastor or maybe even a parent or a grandparent say, we well, you know the Bible says, and then you got old enough to read and you're like, no, it doesn't say that at all. Like you made that crap up. And we try to get people to live in this boundary from a good motivate parents, from a good motivation. Man, I don't want my kid to experience that pain. What if they're like me? I need to be careful. But here's what you and I need to navigate as parents. We need to parent our kids based on their first name, not their last name. We need to understand, Angie and I have four kids. Each one of them have very different personalities. Each one of them have very different strengths, very different weaknesses. We need to know that about our kids and help them understand hey, here's something that it's wise to function like this as we know them. One of the worst things you can do as a parent is put off your baggage on your kids and get them to live in some sort of restricted capacity because it's an area you struggle with assuming that they will. I'm not talking about the obvious. I'm talking about the nuances of those things that maybe, maybe not. Know your kid. Look at verse two. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good. How how many of you wake up and think, how could I please my neighbors today? You think about how to kill your neighbors, how to take them out, but, but please your neighbors. What can I do today that, how, how can I function in a way for their good? See, we don't want to be that neighbor, but we would love to have neighbors like that. So each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Even Christ didn't please himself. Think about what Jesus did. He left a perfect atmosphere called heaven where he was served to come and be a servant. He left a place where the temperature was never Orlando. He left a place where it was beautiful, everything was perfect, there was no pain. He left all of that. He he was strong and left all of that to come bear with those of us who are weak and broken, which is all of us because of his love for us. For everything that was written, this verse is huge. For everything that was written in the past, he's speaking of scripture, the word of God. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that, the reason for, here's what happens if you do this, so that through the endurance taught in scriptures, the endurance, the biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. For the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Did, did you? For everything that was written in the past, the scriptures, was written to teach us. We need to be teachable. You, you've, you've never arrived as the expert, and neither have I. We always need to be teachable, and as long as you're a student, everybody's a teacher. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, the consistency, It's one more day, one more time, continuing to try to honor God, continuing to day by day spend time in the word of God, continuing to pursue my relationship with Jesus and the encouragement they provide, the encouragement the scriptures provide. Do you think we live in a world that has plenty of encouragement? Like, would you say, if you could come up here and tell your story, would you say, look, I have way too many great friends and they encourage me too much. They seem to back it down. I mean, my encouragement quotient, the tank is overflowing. I don't need that. My kids, my kids, when they wake up in the morning, the first words they say to me, they're, they're just too encouraging. I mean, my, my, my four-year-old comes in and says, hey, I know you're under stress. I was thinking about getting a part-time job to help out if I could do that. Like, 
No, no. We live in a world that has no idea how to build people up. We're extremely busy tearing people down. Encouragement is something that is very rare in our world. But you and I as followers of Jesus, look, look what it says right here. For everything that was written in the scriptures in the past was written to teach us, be teachable, so that through the endurance, continue to do the next wise thing, continue to spend time in the word of God, taught in the scriptures, and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. I don't know that there's been a time What evaporated in our culture while we navigated COVID was not just freedom, it was hope. And our world is different. We spend more time fighting and arguing and thinking about who's wrong and how right we are. And, and, and what we've walked through politically as a nation over the last quite a few years, honestly, and what we're dealing with culturally, everybody's just ready to fight. Everybody's just like, if, if you disagree with me, you're wrong and you're bad. And we all believe so much in our opinions. Well, often living our lives not doing this, not living our lives based on what Scripture teaches, not bearing with people that we view as weak. What if people that we view as weak and wrong, what if instead of canceling them or slamming them or bashing them, we said, hey, I'm going to love my friend more than my freedom. I'm going to come to you. We don't disagree on some things, but I'm going to love you. I'm going to bear with you. I'm going to walk with you. We, we, we have got to. We have got to start living our lives. Listen, if you want to have a better life, you better get better at life. And the way you do that is live according to the word of God. And the way we do that is understand every single person you and I lock eyes with is deeply loved by God. And yes, you can be passionate about what you believe. You can be passionate. Dear God, I hate every election season. I understand the importance of it. I get it. I'm passionate about it. Believe what you believe. Vote how you vote. But dear God in heaven, you're not right about everything. And the greatest thing you can do is not to connect people to your political party. The greatest thing you can do is connect people to your Savior. And you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. You're going to damage your influence and damage your credibility and lessen your influence if you're not willing to get off your high horse where you think you're strong and bear with some people that you think are weak. It's never going to happen. We've got to stop this nonsense of if you said something 10 or 15 years ago that was horrible and maybe even evil, you're worthless and you just need to go somewhere and die and we don't want to hear from you again. I, I thought we were supposed to be a people that celebrated change. I thought we were supposed to be a people that embrace growth. I, I want to be, listen, I need people around me that cheer me on when I had some boneheaded idea 30 years ago and now I've seen the light. I, I thought that was a good thing. And listen, by the way, we become the perfection police when in reality, none of us are perfect. And what is happening is our culture is eroding because we don't know how to bear with one another. We just know how to fight with one another. And we think we're right about everything and we're willing to annihilate anybody that disagrees. Did you know, you might want to buckle your little seatbelt for this one. Did you know God loves people who vote differently than you just as much as he loves you? Did you know that? And if we're called by Jesus, like this isn't even in my notes, this is for free. If we're called by Jesus to love people the way Jesus did, how does Jesus love people that disagree with you? And how do you love people that disagree with you? 
And maybe, maybe, like this is extra bonus material, maybe we need to stop taking our cues from life because somebody is very well known and we listen to what they say about marriage but they can't have a successful marriage and we listen to what they say about life because they're talented or they're wealthy. Who gives a fat? We listen to people that blow up their lives every day more than we listen to the Word of God. For everything that was written in the past, the Word of God, to teach us so that through the endurance taught in Scripture and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We are weak. Jesus is strong. And he came to bear with us. He meets us in our weakness. Have you ever heard of the rule of four? The rule of four was this massive, it was a large statistical data study of Bible reading. And what happens in the effects of Bible reading, and what they discovered is if someone reads the Bible one day a week, gets into the Word of God one day a week, and by the way, when I say reads the Bible, I'm not talking about you got to get up at 3.30 in the morning and read it until 5.30 in the morning, and you got to do it by candlelight and make it as hard as you can and take a bunch of notes and try to memorize. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spending a little bit of time each day getting in the Word of God so that the Word of God can get in you. And if you don't have a Bible, listen, there's a great app called YouVersion, Y-O-U Version. I love YouVersion. It's free 99, and y'all love some free stuff. It's free 99. You can download YouVersion. It has the different translations, the different versions of Scripture. It has Bible reading plans. I'm talking about spending a little bit of time in the Word of God each day so the Word of God can get in you. And what they found is people that do that an average of one day a week, there's negligible impact on their emotional health or behavior. People that spend two days a week for at least a few minutes reading the Word of God, there's really no impact on their thinking, their emotional health, or their behavior. People that spend three days a week reading the Word of God, getting in the Word of God and letting the Word of God get in them, this study, massive study found, it doesn't really improve your life or your emotional health or your well-being. But what they found is people that spend four days a week it shoots off the charts. Your whole life statistically changes. Your behavioral patterns, the sin in your life, your emotional mindset, your well-being. If God's word, the moment God's word becomes the majority of your week, not just two, one day, two days, three days, but four days, the moment that happens, the momentum completely changes in your life at a soul level when God's word moves from minority to majority in your life and in your week. That's available to every single one of us. Like this week right now, that's something you can do. And if you think, I don't believe it, try it. What do you have to lose? Give it a month and try it, Frady Cat. Try it. <laughs> See what God does in your, where did that come from? That wasn't even in the first service. But, but if you spend time, if you spend time in God's word every day, it gets God's word into you. And God has just given you this huge promise in this passage of encouragement, of endurance, of hope. I want that for you. But no matter how badly I want that, I can't give it to you. Only the Holy Spirit can give it to you as you spend time in the word of God. Just, just a few minutes a day. And then... And then he answers in the next verse, he begins to answer a question. What does winning in life look like for a Christ follower? Like, how do you know? How do you know your life? How do you know you're winning in life? How do you know if, if there's a scoreboard in heaven that God's like, wow, that guy, that girl, that, that, that's impressive. They're winning. They're doing things well. 
It's not, not based on how much money you make, because we know people that make a lot of money and they do good things, they do rough things. It's not based on where you live or how fast your car is or what job you have or what your title is. There are a whole lot of people that make a major impact, not because they have a title, but because they have a character. So how do you know if you're winning? If living in the Spirit is the most healthy version of you, how do you know how to do that? Look at verse 5. May the God who gives endurance, there's that word again, and encouragement. Could it be? I'm, I'm just asking. Could it be that if you're somebody that you feel like, man, I, there's not a lot of encouragement in my life. Could it be that you're looking for people to do for you what only God can do? Could it be that if you'd spend a little bit more time getting in the Word of God so the Word of God could get in you, where you wouldn't just know about His promises, but you would sense His presence day by day, could it be that something would change? May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, one voice, that's important, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One mind and one voice. You know what one voice is? It's worship. It's part of what happens when we gather as a church and everybody sings. Well, not everybody. Some of you don't sing, but, but you should. It's okay. Where we dive in with one voice. Here's the amazing thing about worship. Worship is the one thing that only you can do for you and God. Nobody else can replace your worship. Nobody else can dive into that moment. And we know that God inhabits the praises of his people. God is drawn to us when we worship him. So in the life of C3, we don't sing a lot about God. We sing to God. And there's a level of intimacy there. And so I want to encourage you, man, dive into worship. You are robbing you of what God wants to do in your life if you miss that whole segment of an experience together with, with one voice. And here's the amazing news. You don't even have to be able to sing. Like you can suck at singing because the Bible says you, you just get to make a loud noise. So man, make a loud noise, go crazy. Dive into worship and watch what God does. Just try, but notice, give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. What's the, what's the mind that Jesus had for you and for me? He's strong. He's not weak in any area. He had full freedom. But he said, Ham, hey, I'm going to come to where you are. And when we have the same mind that Jesus had, we don't judge or devalue people who are weak in areas where strong. We say, you know what? I'm going to come to where you are. And we may not agree on some things, but I love you more than I love my opinions. And as we spend time together and we influence each other, if, if I'm right and what I think is right and, and, and you're going to learn and you're going to grow, I've earned the right to influence you. And over time, as I love you and over time, as we have conversations, and even when we disagree, I don't hate you, but, but you learn what it is to be loved even when you disagree with somebody, church, church, we have got to live like this, where we influence people and pray for people and love people. And at the first disagreement, we don't just say peace out, but, but we, we love people. We walk them through a process. What you're going to discover is in that journey, we're going to be used by God to help weak people become strong. I love what happened, John chapter 11. John chapter, I just thought about this. John chapter 11, where Lazarus is in the tomb, and Jesus comes to the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come out. Jesus brought a dead man back to life, and then what does he do? 
He turns to the crowd and he says, you take the grave clothes off of him. We are to be as a church the kind of people where as Jesus is bringing dead people to life, part of what we get to do is take the clothes that smell of death, the stench of death off of them and help them to understand, hey, you've been weak, but you can be free. With who God is, he can radically work in your life. We have a part to play in every single person. We need to stop killing people verbally and we need to start helping people take what their past is off of them and understand that because of the Holy Spirit, you can live the life God created you to live. Got to get through this. Got to go faster. You got to listen faster. Verse seven, accept one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Accept, accept one another. I, I, I think we think it says accept people that vote like you. Accept people that cheer for the same team. Accept people that like the restaurants you like. Accept people who look like you and act like you. No, it just says accept one another. So here's the reality. In areas where we're strong, we go back to a person who's weak. We put our arm around them. We determine to love them because that's what Jesus does. We don't have to agree with them. Listen, just because I accept you, accepting you is not accepting your decisions. It's not accepting your choices. Accepting people is not saying, see, we've gotten confused. We think, oh, if you, if you love somebody, you want to encourage somebody, and you accept them, you have to applaud every choice they make. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus came to us knowing we were broken and sinful and loves us where we are and moves us through a process. So accepting people is not accepting what they think. It's accepting the reality that they are just as loved by God as you are, and God has called us to love them and to embrace them and to help them. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. This is how you bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the Jew on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. How we interact with each other in the family is going to spill over to how we interact with people that are not a part of the family and it's going to make a difference and bring glory to God. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. Then... And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope, if people know that you know God, do they know his hope because of you? May the God of hope fill you. This is what happens. It's the byproduct. It's the natural result. It's, it's what comes. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what's going to happen? When you spend time in the word of God, a majority of your life, when you try to spend time and create that pattern, that habit in your life, I just don't know if I can do that every day. Do you brush your teeth every day? Do you change underwear every day? Do you take a shower every day? Don't raise your hand if you're sitting by somebody that didn't take a shower. Let's be nice. Remember, we go to where they're weak. Remember that? There are things you do every day because you prioritize those things. You view them as valuable in your life and important, and you see the payoff, and you think it's worth it. So because of that, you decide to be consistent. How much more could the Word of God do for each day than brushing your teeth? I'm not advocating stopping brushing your teeth. Please continue. Please continue. 
I'm just saying, man, let's step back and look. What a tragedy it is to know Jesus and for him to say, I came to give you this full overflowing life where hope is going to overflow out of you. I want to fill you with so much hope that it spills over out of your life and becomes contagious and engages and interacts with the people around you. And they think, I want what he's got. I want what she's got. That's the kind of life we're set up for. And we only miss it. If we limit ourselves more than anything else limits us, and if we decide not to be in the Word of God each day for a little bit. We've had multiple vehicle issues with our kids. When your kids start driving, (laughs) I'm filtering some stories. Um, There was another time I got in a vehicle that was primarily driven by one of my kids, and it ran so rough. I thought, what in the world? What has happened to this car? Now, each of our kids pay for their own gas. They, they pay for other things. And, and what, what, happened, what had happened was one of our kids decided, well, since I pay for it, I know it's supposed to take premium fuel, but I'm putting in 87, the cheapest, because I pay for it. That's what I said. You have lost your crackhead mind. Because when that thing breaks down, who has to pay for it? Like, Use the fuel that it calls. Uh, uh, this engine is designed for a particular kind of fuel. This is not complicated. And there are all these different kinds of fuel. Like one of our vehicles is diesel. But can you imagine what would happen if I just put regular gas in a diesel engine? It's going to kill it. Or if you put regular gas in a vehicle that calls for premium fuel, it, it's going to run rough. Hey, the same thing is true in your spiritual life. Your life, your soul is designed to run at an optimal level, but you've got to use the right fuel. You put diesel in it, something that's foreign to it, something that doesn't belong in it, something outside the lines God has drawn. You decide, I don't care what God says, we're going to live together even though we're not married. I don't care what God says, I'm married, but I want to have a, an affair with this person. Listen, when you step outside, you're going to kill your life. You're going to blow your life up. Your life is not going to run smoothly. In the same way, if you put cheap fuel, in the intricate system that you were designed with, the easy believism that says you just need a dose once a week on Sunday. If you put less than optimal, your life is going to run, your relationships are going to run, your parenting is going to be rough. Your friendships will not be life-enhancing or hope-giving. You were designed for premium fuel, and the most premium fuel is the Word of God. You were designed to get in the Word of God so the Word of God gets into you, and the Holy Spirit can take that, and you will live your life at peak performance, and you will experience the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, and the presence of the Spirit in your life. Nothing less than that should be acceptable to those of us that are followers of Christ. Man, this week you can change this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen in your life if at least four days this week? But see, I, I know you. You're overachievers. You can do more than that. You set an alarm on your phone. You get the version app. First thing in the morning, you grab your phone. You read a little bit of the Word of God. Before you read it, you pray a simple prayer. God, please speak to me. There are times I read the Bible, and I'm just like, huh. There, there are times I have to focus. If I'm highly distracted, I'll read a little bit and come back to it later. But then there are other times I read the Bible and it speaks to exactly what I'm going through. And those times, those times I read the Bible in the morning and I think, huh, nothing there. Nobody home, didn't feel anything. Two or three weeks, two or three months later, something will happen and it'll be like, oh my gosh. Because God is feeding your soul. 
and he's growing you into the person he's called you to be, into the person you know you can be, or God knows you can be. You, you've got to embrace this. There's no reason not to step into this. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for watching with us this morning. If you would like to be a part of this life-changing movement and give, you can go to giveC3.cc or text C3 Orlando to 77977. And we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. And if you're in Central Florida, please join us Sunday mornings, 930 or 11 a.m. in person. Have a great week.